Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Good evening and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? I'm your host, Chad Knight, and let's get right at it this week. Welcome to my mind mare. Alright, so this this week for the segment for Welcome to My Mind Mare, it kind of it kind of ties into a podcast I did just a couple of days ago. Jack Chick died. Now, if you don't know who Jack Chick is, Jack Chick is one of the guys behind the Santanic Panic of the late 1970s and 80s and even into the early 90s uh, in some instances. Um, Jack Chick was a he was a cartoonist. He was a paranoid. Uh, he was a hateful person. Uh, so I, I took this little bit off the internet, and I'm just going to read this to you, and uh, we'll get we'll get through this. So things that Jack Chick hated, and this is called just a partial list: uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Roman Catholics, Freemasons, Muslims, Jews, and Satan. Uh, he, he it says here the paranoid, hateful mini comics pioneer is now dead. No one will say how he came to be dead. Chick Publications has released over 23 full-color Chick comics since its founding. They are full-size comic books, and most were published between 1974 and 1985. The first 11 form the Crusader comic series, which follows the stories of two fundamentalist Christians and addresses topics such as the occult, Bible prophecy, and the theory of evolution. Six comics present the testimony of anti-Catholic activist Alberto Riviera, who said that, as a Jesuit priest, he became privy to many secrets about the Roman Catholic Church. Among Riviera's statements, he says the Catholic Church created Islam, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as well as the Jehovah's Witness. He also says the Catholic Church was responsible for the Holocaust, the founding of communism, Nazism, and the Ku Klux Klan. Starting World War War and starting World Wars, masterminding the 1917 Russian Revolution, the Great Depression, and the assassination of U.S. Presidents Lincoln and Kennedy. There are also three independent comics: one telling stories from the King James version of the Bible. Chick is pro King James onlyism, only relying. Oh, I'm sorry, one relaying the statements of Charles Chinquay regarding Catholicism and one detailing Chick's opinions on Joseph Smith and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What do you say about a guy like this? Um, I did a I did a podcast just a couple days ago with my buddy Al. We were just talking about the Satanic Panic, and actually I, I didn't realize how much this guy had tied into it, um, that he was so, so closely uh, a part of this. Uh, we talked about other people, but we never actually, as far as I can remember, brought up the name of Jack Chick. And... Uh, I think that the the fact that we did our we did our podcast the next day he dies today I'm doing this podcast coincidence I would say Jack Chick would say no anyway um, that's all I got from welcome to my mind Mary this weekend uh, next we're going to introduce this week's guest 
Uh, his name is Adam Netzler. I have known Adam for, I don't know, what, 17 years, give or take, somewhere in there? I oh, think we that. met yeah. late 99, somewhere in yeah, there. late 90s. Um, we owned a uh, game store together called Chatham Games for about six years. And he is the blamed for, he was the guy who got me into playing Magic the Gathering, so uh, he's the blame for the reason I'm poor. He's the reason I play D&D, so <laughs> ditto. <laughs> All right, so if you want to go ahead, Adam, uh, tell everybody about yourself, uh, anything you want to tell them, uh, you know, tell them what you do in the in the quote-unquote real world, because uh, this is internet wo- radio, this is not TV. The, or this real, is not the, the real world is nowhere near as fun as anything else, but I am currently kitchen manager at the Bar of Wassa. Um, that's pretty much what I do in the real world. I also do help out the DC Everest Gaming Club when I'm available, um, and other do other gaming activities. Now, you're also part of a convention. I talk a lot about conventions on here. Uh, I'm a big part of EverCon. You are part of a con called WasabiCon, correct? WasabiCon, yes. And what's up, what's up next for those guys? Um, WasabiCon in June, we're going to do a one-day relaunch. I... Got the exact date. I think it's twelfth. We're doing a one day relaunch just to see if there's interest. So um, June twenty seventeen. Yep, twenty seventeen. And where do you know? Do they it know will yet be at, It will be at Dale's Weston Lanes here in Wassa. Okay. It will be a full day event going from nine a.m. until midnight. Ooh, that's a long day. Yes, it is. We'll have vendors, guests, all sorts of fun stuff for the day. All right, excellent. All right, we're gonna jump now into uh, this day in history. Um, so let's just get going here. Um, www.history.com slash this day in history is where I get all my little history facts. So today we are talking about November 18th, 1863. Lincoln travels to Gettysburg. On this day in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln boards a train for Gettysburg, Pennsylvania to deliver a short speech at the dedication of a cemetery of soldiers killed during the battle there on July 1st to July 3rd, 1863. The address Lincoln gave in Gettysburg became one of the most famous speeches in American history. Lincoln had given much thought to what he wanted to say at Gettysburg, but nearly missed his chance to say it. Shortly before the trip, Lincoln's son, Tad, became ill with a fever. The president and his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, were no strangers to juvenile illness. They had already lost two sons to disease. Prone to fits of hysteria, Mary Lincoln panicked when her husband prepared to leave. However, Lincoln felt the opportunity to speak at Gettysburg and present his defense of the war was too important to miss, so he boarded the train and headed to Pennsylvania. Despite his son's illness, Lincoln was in good spirits during the journey. He was accompanied by an entourage that included Secretary of State William Seward, Postmaster General Montgomery Blair, Interior Secretary John Usher, Lincoln's personal secretaries John Hay and John Nicolay, several members of of the Diplomat Corps, some foreign visitors, a main, um, I'm sorry, a marine band, and a military escort. When Lincoln arrived, arrived in Gettysburg, he was handed a telegram that lifted his spirits. Tad was feeling much better. Lincoln enjoyed an evening dinner and a serenade by the 5th New York Artillery Band before he retired to finalize his famous Gettysburg Address. I don't know, this one just kind of caught my, I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a big history buff, which is why you get a chunk of history with every one of my episodes. But Gettysburg and Lincoln are also things I really uh, enjoy that part of history. Uh, a few years ago, I went out to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. It's, you know, it, it's kind of funny because the battlefield is just this, it's a big field. I mean, it's literally a big field. To this day, it's still a big field. Well, it's a national park now. But 
it's amazing as you drive in, as I drove into Gettysburg, just the weight you can feel attached to that, you know, to that, that battlefield. It's, it's amazing. You just kind of drive into it and it's just like living history. So, um, so anyway, so that's that. Now we get into the guest. We're going to talk to Adam here for a little while. Now, last week when I was doing the podcast, I said, Adam and I, we, we had this business together. We did it for six years. We're going to kind of reminisce about that, that we're going to reminisce about our time in business. Now, this is the part where Adam tells me I'm wrong. So what are we talking about, Adam? Well, you're kind of right. What? I'm kind of right? You're kind of right because it kind of ties into the business. I figured we would reminisce about some of the stories from the conventions we've gone to. Okay. And that's how we started. Chatham Games was a convention yes. business. We would go at least once a month, if not more often, to conventions around the state and into neighboring states. And we would try to peddle our wares. And we were we were happy when we could pay for the hotel room. And it didn't have to come out of our pockets in the beginning. Yes, yes. It, it, that We were very proud of that fact. And then <laughs> when we actually started bringing home a little bit extra money where we could um, refurbish our wares without having to dip into that our pockets. That was always nice, too. <laughs> that was always nice. So, I remember our first convention. I don't even know if we were officially Chatham Games at that point. But our first table at a convention was literally stuff that Adam and I owned that we had not popped the wrapper on. Yep, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> and I think we had made like a really small order from the company we got all our good stuff, or all our stuff, our goods from, and we were like, you want how much money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, that was a, that was a fun beginning, the eye-opening, that costs us how much, and we're making how much on it? Yeah, uh. you know, and that's amazing, and that is one thing I learned from the business, I mean, of all the things we learned in, in the amount of time we were in business is really how much people in business don't make. Right. You... I mean, we were at one point a pack of magic after we paid for what we did, and then we put the price on it that we could sell it at. We made like three, four cents a pack. At times, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like, oh! <laughs> and then you figure overhead, and you figure heat and lights and... All Everything that else. Fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now, in the beginning, we didn't have that, but we did eventually open a game brick. store, a brick and mortar, and that lasted about eighteen months. When we realized, you know what, we're making. Yeah. So, but, all right. So, right. are there are there well specific cons or specific things you're thinking of? Well, like stories that we've shared in, for example, game design. Oh. Becoming of the um, making of game design, the yes. shafting. Yes, game design, the sh game design, the shafting. That was a game that was born out of conventions. Um, myself, Adam, and a friend of ours, uh, Ben Schultz, uh, from Arasian Entertainment. Uh, we decided that we should make a bo we should make a card game about attending conventions. No, uh, game design was about building a game. Or building a game, you're right. Designing your own game. Right, and we, we talked about the different type of people that play games, and it started off as a joke, and by the end of a convention, we had a good amount of the rules written. And some of the artwork. And some of the artwork, or at least the idea of what we wanted for artwork. And it only took a couple months, and I have two boxes of it right over there. I know, I have one at home too. <laughs> 
one of the few games that has our names in it. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. And uh, it not only does it have our names in it, I think there are cards that represent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that. Uh, oh man, the things the the. The trips to Walmart. I know that really doesn't have anything to do with the cons. Well, it happened during the convention. That's true. It was so the, it which was, one are we talking about first? <laughs> I think the one that really sticks in my mind is when we went. I, I don't remember what city we were in, but uh, my wife Nicole was there. Your girlfriend Manitowoc. Ad, Manitowoc was yep. that when Amanda was there. Yep. So Adam's girlfriend at the time, Amanda, my wife was there. Um, Carrie Dahlbeck. Carrie Dahlbeck was there. Oh. Bo was there? Oh, no, he wasn't at Walmart. No, he wasn't at Walmart. He was at the but, convention. Yeah, um, but the five of us, or six of us, I can't remember exactly how many of it was. We go in the Walmart. It's early morning, possibly. Late evening. I'm not sure which. We're was, all giddy, so it had to be after con. Yeah, it was after con, <laughs> but I can't remember if it was how late it was exactly. And it all started with Adam's girlfriend deciding to crawl into the cart. Now, we're all adults. <laughs> And she crawls into this cart, and we're walking around Walmart, and I think we were singing, maybe? I think we were at one point, yes. (laughs) And, of course, the trip always meant if you were at Walmart, and it was this time of night, we had to go to toys. Because in toys, there are amazing things that people don't realize. Especially when you're tired. (laughs) Yes, and that you can play with while they're still on the shelf. Now... Um, we, we went back there and we were playing with something and Amanda's trying to get out of the cart and that's when the assistant manager showed up <laughs> and told us she had to get out of the cart and that we had to behave ourselves or we were going to get kicked out of Walmart. We were going to get kicked out of <laughs> Walmart! <laughs> that's almost impossible to do unless you're down in Indianapolis <laughs> yeah. where we taught a parrot. <laughs> I, okay. I'll, I taught one, they have these little stuffed parrots that you push a button and it records and and it's voice activated. When it hears a voice, it says whatever you recorded on it. So I was teaching one of these parrots how to say, you're a bitch. Yes. Just for fun. Just one parrot. Eventually, all the parrots are going off of yeah. this one. It was, <laughs> it, it was <laughs> funny because... The one that Adam recorded on seemed to malfunction, and it kept saying it over and over and over. So we started pushing buttons on the other ones, and they would pick it up, and then it just became this cacophony of parrots cursing. Yeah, it it was fun. And then we looked around to see if any employees were around and left. (laughs) We were not about to deal with that one. Well, you know... uh, It's all it's all it's harmless good fun. fun. Good and fun. It's all harmless. I mean, we never did anything at these conventions um, that would stand up in a court of law anyway. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think we're willing to testify against each other, that's why. No, because we both end up in jail for a long, long time. No, no, um, <laughs> no we're kidding. We're kidding. We did, uh, Chad had an assault charge at one point. What, is this for punching you in the knee? <laughs> yeah. Okay, there is a story behind this. We were at a convention, and we were sitting next to some good friends of ours. And we were goofing around, and Adam was being Adam, and just, you know, he was yakety, 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 yakking. And uh, I was going to uh, punch him in the thigh. 
Well, in the process of me looking kind of peripheral where Adam was, he stepped closer, and so I hit him in the knee a little harder than I intended to. And Adam almost fell down. Adam almost <laughs> took the table down. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I consider that fair repayment for the Darth Vader uh, bruise thing you gave me. That, that, was, that was a dragon. Get yeah, right. I didn't have the Darth Vader ring at the time. Otherwise, it would, would have been Vader. Okay, my bad. And I didn't realize I had it on when I hit you. <laughs> so, so let, 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 let me, let's explain something here. Adam and I have one of these friendships where we punch each other. Fairly right. regularly. Just for, yeah. you know, whatever. It's just something we do. And sometimes that goes awry. So you hit somebody in the knee and they limp for the rest of the weekend. You hit somebody in the arm and they get a tattoo of a of a dragon for a weekend it's just it's it's all done in fun and games but uh yeah it was uh oh what else was there um there was plenty um just so there was the there was the uh there was the fire and ice one where we went and then i spent the entire weekend in the hotel puking oh yeah that was fun yeah, Adam told me all about that weekend. <laughs> he learned how to play games he can't remember how to play today. <laughs> well, I think we got there on Friday, and I made it through setup, and then well, yeah, <laughs> you you were, and Nikki was with us that time, and you said to Nikki, "Why don't you take him back to the hotel and let him get some sleep?" And I think I pretty much slept till Sunday. Yeah, well, you were there on Saturday because you felt bad I had to be there all day Saturday. You came in. Did I? Yeah. Somebody taught you how to play Versus because you wanted to, always wanted to learn how to play Versus, the Marvel card game. I know how to play Versus? Uh, you did for one night. <laughs> um, let's see. I think that's the night we also introduced you to um, Arkham Horror. That is a game I still know how to play today. Yes. In fact, if you look right over there to your right, you can see my copy of it. Oh, yeah. Which I think I actually picked up there, there that weekend. Auction. Yeah, because um, they did it wrong, and I got it really cheap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I didn't realize till later on that they had done it wrong, and I was like, nope, I got it for 25 bucks. You're not getting any more out of me. Well, $25 for the base game and, like, two expansions, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah. It was, it was Arkham, it was the Dunwich Horror expansion, and then there was another card expansion. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was um, it was the deal of the century when it comes to that, so. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I guess another thing that really doesn't have to do with convention, well, it has to do with conventions, but not really Chatham, even though Chatham's loosely bound to it, is EgoCon. Oh, yes. Yes. So, they have a, they have a charity, uh, auction every year at EgoCon, uh, which is a small con in, uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. It's usually in March of the year, um, and, and their charity auction, in fact, most of the money they raise goes to one of the food pantries down there. Uh, but they do this charity auction. And one year, Adam and I, still as Chatham, we were there as vendors. We all, we only did that once or twice. Um, but uh, we also brought gaming to this convention, which was a very strict sci-fi Doctor Who kind of convention. convention. Yep. So we started by, we brought in a few role-playing games. And then we brought in board games um, after the convention actually closed because it's only a one-day con. But we did this charity auction, and 
this auction has been going on for years, and every year they have special guest uh, auctioneers. Well, Adam and I did it one year, and we figured, well, that's our run. You know, you do it once, and then they get somebody else. We've now done it for... Five? I, this this coming March what? will be our sixth year. Yes, six years. Because I, I, I know I've been asked to come back. And oh, yeah, I, I have, have been asked to come back, too. So this will be our sixth year uh, doing the auction. So we have set an EgoCon record. We set an EgoCon record at two. Shh. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, one of the funniest things that happened, and, and all these things really stem from that first auction we did, so now in Doctor Who, they have this small creature called an adipose. And what an adipose is, is basically living fat, fat living, living, breathing fat. And uh, so I had no idea what it was. I wasn't versed in Doctor Who at the time. And I'm, I'm mildly versed now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan, but I know what's going on at least enough to, to talk sensibly about a, a couple of the doctors. But so I picked it up and I said, hey, everybody, we have this marshmallow man. And the entire audience is like, it's an adipose. <laughs> and I'm like, a what? They're like, an adipose. And I said, right. So we have this marshmallow man. So that's my thing. Every year I auction off a marshmallow man. Well, what? Well, that's one of your things. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, what my thing is, I don't even know how I did this. I think it happened while I was sick there. I oh, screwed sure. up. Yeah, he was I screwed sick. up Star Wars and Star Trek. There he is, did. <laughs> not that is something that should never, ever, 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 ever happen to me. And what's or, worse, or, or to me, because <laughs> believe it or not, Adam's a Star Wars guy, and I'm a Star Trek guy. So anyway, we don't talk sci-fi much. No, anyway. not really. <laughs> um. So I screwed that up, and Chad's behind me encouraging everybody to boo me for it. Which, <laughs> which by the way, thank you, buddy. <laughs> which they did with enthusiasm. Yeah, it's always it's always fun. We make fun of each other all the time. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's fun. But, um, so now every year, I think, he claims it's on accident, at least to the audience. But every year he messes well, at least one Star Trek or one Star Wars thing up. Just so that everybody in the audience, because it's the same group pretty much every Every year. year. So just to get them to be like, he did it again. (laughs) uh, Oh, you still, you still grab the prizes of the marshmallow man. Yeah, that exactly. It's, it's just go to jokes that everybody knows we kind of go to. Yeah, it's it's, fun with. It's play to the audience is what it is. But, um, I love the fact that this little community, though, I mean, they have welcomed us in, even though we're not, quote-unquote, one of them. Right. We have been welcomed in to the point that there is a vendor there every year. She's there every year. <laughs> and and she's... Here's another story for you, folks. Yeah, this this is, thank this you, is, Chad. <laughs> this, this is one of my favorite stories from, from EgoCon. Uh... So she's there every year and she sells knickknacks and she sells, you know, um, sci-fi clothing, whatever kind of stuff. You know, she has one of these small booths, but she's just a blast to hang out with. Oh, and yeah. she's, she's funny. And, but one year I looked at Adam and I said, you're a PF. And she's like, what's a PF? And Adam's like, 
don't worry about it. It's just, it's just this inside joke. So he kind of walks off and goes off and she keeps bugging me all day. What's a PF? What's a PF? Well, now here's one of these times where if children are listening, plug your ears because we're going to say bad words. <laughs> and if you don't want to plug your ears, don't plug yours. But anyway, so PF stands for, and I don't even know where this started. And Dan. I, okay, so Dan Basketball. started. Basketball. Okay. <laughs> the classic that is basketball is what started this. Wait, that's a classic? <laughs> so anyway, I told her finally that PF stands for pig fucker, which in our group of game players is... A term of endearment. Yes, exactly. If Because only your friends can call you a pig fucker. Exactly. So anyway, so she found out eventually after after needling me for like all day... That it meant pig fucker. So, that year ends. We walk in the next year, and from across the vendor room, we hear, Hi, Chad and pig fucker! (laughs) I'm like, how, Chad? (laughs) And I laugh. I laugh. I think I almost fell down. I might have fallen on the floor just because it was hilarious. And I think I just stopped there in stunned silence because she knew what PF meant. And I knew who had, who had to tell her that. It was me. Yeah. <laughs> he knew that because I was laughing on the floor. He almost got kicked on the floor, too. While but, but the best part about that was it was a whole year. Yeah. And I and it's not like I had gotten there early and, like, coached her or anything. We just walked in together and it was just boom. And it was just like, Yes. And now she calls me that every year when she sees me for the first time. Hi, pig fucker! Actually, it's kind of funny. When I went in there last year, because I got there before you did last year, and I walked in and she goes, hey, how's it going? I said, great. And she goes, where's pig fucker? I said, I don't know. He's not here yet, is he? (laughs) Oh, Let's see, what else? Well, well, we got a few that don't involve Chad and I know from our trip south. Oh, to Evercon, or to, yeah. No, Indianapolis. Yeah, to Gen Con. Gen Con. Gen Con. Okay, my favorite story from Gen Con. (laughs) Has nothing to do with the actual convention. (laughs) My favorite stories from Gen Con, well, only one of my favorite stories from that year Gen Con has to do with the convention. Okay. Well, the one I'm talking about, I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. Oh, yes. So, (laughs) it was, it was Saturday morning. Now, Gen Con runs Thursday to Sunday. Saturday morning, by Saturday morning, you've already got a lot of hours of gaming in. You've got a lot of hours of not sleeping in. We were running behind. Mostly because I believe it was Amanda. We couldn't get her ass out of bed. <laughs> but anyway, so we're running behind. We finally all get in the in the car. Adam's hauling ass across town because we actually stayed about 15 minutes away from the yeah. convention center. A, it's cheaper. And B, it's cheaper. And C, I believe it's cheaper. Yeah, and we were right by a 24-hour diner. <laughs> we were right by a 24-hour diner, and we were right off the interstate. So it yeah. wasn't like it was, it was that big of a deal. But so we're we're on the highway. We're hauling ass. Adam passed From the story I heard, because I'm in the back seat still half asleep, is that you passed a cop. Yes, I did pass a cop. And the cop did not like this, so he pulled Adam over. <laughs> And he proceeds to come up to the car window with his, uh, you know, shades that are, gl- are uh, mirrored, uh, mirrored, mirrored on the inside because he wants to look at himself. You know, this guy was that classic, like... Asshole? Yeah, he was kind of an <laughs> asshole cop, but 
He comes up to the window and he looks in, and we're all sitting there with our big geeky Gen Con badges on our chest and our in our in our badge holders. And we're all kind of sitting there looking at him. And he just starts in on Adam for like ten minutes about how you don't pass cops and blah da 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 da. Just on and on and on. And at the very end of it, he kind of tips his glasses down and he goes, Have fun at your Gen Con. And <laughs> It was the stupidest thing because he pulled him over for doing something illegal. I'm not even sure he ever told us exactly why. I was speeding. You were speeding. Okay. And But he never asked you for your license. Yeah, he got my license. Oh, did he? Yeah. He asked for it. I gave him my license. Because I don't remember him ever going back to the car to do anything. He didn't. Oh, so he looked at your license, but he never actually (laughs) did anything with it. Right. Okay. So so it it was the stupidest thing. It was like. For 10 minutes, it was like he was trying to make us late, which he did, which runs into the next cool story, <laughs> is we had all spent our week in this one room playing what they call train games, and we were all set for an 8 o'clock, uh, eight o'clock uh, game. tournament, in the uh, game in the tournament, and we got there at like 10 after 8, and all three of our boards, Amanda's board, Adam's board, my board, they were all waiting for us. <laughs> They're yes. like, we knew you'd be here soon. Oh, yeah. Well, one of my favorite stories, and I'm not going to go into my con story yet, is, of course, when we were so tired on Friday. <laughs> we yeah. were so tired every day. <laughs> oh, but especially Friday. Friday was a you-got-a-nose moment. Oh. <laughs> yes. It, it, when you are so tired that you have to confirm other people have noses, that is a fun night. That was all. that was yes. an interesting. Well, because we had gone to the con all day, well, and then we went to the diner. Right. Well, here let's give them a little bit of background all on right. this. Um, Gen Con is a convention that normally runs Thursday through Sunday. Thursday eight a.m. Sunday six p.m. Twenty four hours. Just go. Um, they also do have a little thing on Friday night. If you wish to participate, you can. By by Friday night, we had four hours of sleep in us. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, we were averaging four hours of sleep a night. I made sure we at least got four because I needed that to be able to function to drive the vehicle. <laughs> and we didn't want to die. Right. So, second day, oh, this may have been Saturday night too, after the diner. we Because that was the date, Saturday night was the night we were serving ourselves. Yes, Saturday <laughs> night Saturday night was the... Um, was the guy with the the the, yep. the roast? Uh, what do you call it? What was his uh, no, name? No, that yeah. Oh, uh, Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav roast. Yeah, that was Saturday night too. Oh, or then, was that no, Sunday night? Got, that was Sunday night when we were trying to sleep in order to come back on Monday. Yes, <laughs> that was that's another story. <laughs> that 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 was a great story because the best line out of that was before we went down. Adam's like, and then we leave on Monday, and I'm like, well, why don't we just leave after the con on Sunday? <laughs> Now, Adam had been to Gen Con before. I never had. And and he goes, you'll understand on Sunday. And I'm like, whatever. You know, I'm like, it's another night in the hotel. And, you know, this. And he's just like, trust me on this. And I'm like, fine. And when we got to Sunday afternoon and we're the con's shutting down and stuff. And he goes, so you want to drive home? I'm like, no, I think the hotel was a good idea. <laughs> But, yeah, um, let's see here. That was Sunday. Yeah, it, it had to be Saturday night was you had a noise. Yeah, we it, were was pretty, all so it was pretty punch deep. Drunk. Yeah. We were so punched, tired, 
drunk on life that we it's like ah, yeah, you said that hey you got a nose and everybody starts laughing at you got a nose yeah yeah amanda in the darkness because we're laying in the hotel we we had we had two double beds or whatever so adam and amanda are in one bed and i'm in the other bed and out of the complete darkness we hear you got, got a, a nose, nose. Now, I will bring that up when Amanda does the show. Uh, sometime uh, in, a, in a couple months, she's she's lined up to do the show. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> uh, there was that. Then there was the roast of Fa- Flavor, Flavor Flav, which was amazing. It was Sunday. Sunday night at some point in time. 10 o'clock at night or something like that. Yeah. We're all kind of sitting there dying. And we flip on Comedy Central, and they're doing the roast of Flava Flav. And it was a train wreck. You didn't watch it because it was over, overly funny. I mean, it was funny, but it wasn't... It wasn't, it wasn't it the best roast ever put on. No. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> so... It was that night! <laughs> <laughs> and as we're all sitting there with our backs to the tops of our beds watching the roast, you'd start to doze off. Because a commercial would come on, and every and somebody would always be like "Flavor Flav," and everybody'd wake up again when the show came back on. It was, it was bad. I, and to this day, other than people going "Flavor Flav," I couldn't really tell you anything about that roast. Neither could I. <laughs> it, it was a train wreck, start to finish. Yeah, yeah. But my personal favorite story about that Gen Con is about Patriot, pa- the oh. RPG. <laughs> this well, poor guy. Well, <laughs> I am so. And, and and when Adam's done with this, the story continues for a few months after Gen Con. Yes. Go ahead, you tell All your right. portion of it. For our portion of it, Chad, Amanda, and I are going through the dealer hall Sunday. It's got to be about four o'clock in the afternoon. We're making our final rounds in the vendor hall, and this guy is going, "Hey, you want to come demo my RPG? That's going to be coming out shortly." We're all like, no. Uh, no. <laughs> he goes, oh, come on. And he kept pestering us. I'm finally like, all right, let's let's see what makes this RPG so great. <laughs> and Chad is like, yeah, I've done all my shopping, so we got two hours to kill. Why not play a game? <laughs> <laughs> so we sit down. We haul Amanda into the game. Yes. Now, Patriot is basically you get to pick is futuristic. Yeah, fantasy, a fantasy future. Yeah, I would, I would say, yeah. A fantasy-type future. Um, where Basically, you... what he tried to do was take all your sci-fi games you can think of and all your D&D-type games you can think of and, and them. smush them together. Which he found out in one playtest group it doesn't work that well. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because you picked two classes, basically. And we, bo- and we all picked like classes that he claimed di- wouldn't work together. And we're like, you know what? This is playtesting. You should try everything. everything. And he's like, okay, fine. And I don't even, I can't even remember exactly what you did. Yours I did like a Dreamwalker, um, which allowed me to see reality as reality, and then like a rogue type thing. Yeah, and I did like a ninja weapon specialist kind of thing. Amanda made a MacGyver that could talk her way out of any situation. She made she a sexy to. MacGyver. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> we start going through this thing and we are just, every time we would do something, he's like, does that work? 
And we're like, according to what you have written here, it works. <laughs> and it was the classic, you know, we infiltrated this base. And we, we had to get the computer. Yeah, we had to get to the computer. And of course, you go through the front doors and what's it say? It says, computer room this way to the right. And we're like, we, we go, go left. That way. <laughs> and the guy was confused by this. It's like, really? <laughs> you know, we're doing this spy type game. And we're like, of course you go left. And then Adam pulls out his Dreamwalker shit, and he's just like, forget Wall, I just walked through everything, find the guy we're looking for. <laughs> so we get to that, we get to that quote-unquote bad guy, and Amanda, Amanda. starts to seduce him. Now, like, the best part about this was, this was a role-playing game, but Amanda decided to make it partial LARP. LARP. <laughs> and she gets up on the table... <laughs> And she starts running her finger around the face of the guy she's talking to, the guy who's demoing his game. And we just destroyed his game in like 45 minutes. And he was just like, well, I'm going to have to tweak some stuff. And he's like, here's my email address. If you can think of anything else, let me know. So Adam and I were talking on the way back to the way back home. It's an uh-huh. eight hour drive. I mean, right. we're talking about it and I'm kind of taking mental notes. And so... Like a week later, I get on the computer and I'm like, hey, Adam and I thought of these things. Da 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 da. And I got a new response back like almost instantly. He's like, hey, thanks for the time. Thanks for this. Thanks for that. You know, I'll look at it and I'll do this. And we're like, I'm like, great. And we did that every time we'd get together, him and Adam, Amanda and I, and we're like, you know, he could do this and that would be better. And so every time I would just be like, here's a quick email. We thought of this, this, and this, you know. And then. He would ask me questions and I'd answer them. And it went back and forth like that for like a couple months. And then um, he had sent me an email and I answered him back. And then the responses came slower. And then they came slower. And then they just stopped altogether. And I said to Adam, I said, this guy just stopped responding. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. He's like, go, oh, go check his webpage. He's like, yeah, go check his webpage. See what's going on. I type in his webpage, pops up nothing page doesn't exist anymore <laughs> so i'm pretty sure the three of us are responsible for the death of a role-playing game yeah i'm pretty sure we are too <laughs> because I, I don't think he could have taken any more <laughs> us going hey look we're finding this is like our 80th email to you <laughs> yeah see i don't know about adam but i've been role-playing now for well over 20 years and adam's Judge gotta be got me yeah. yeah, you've got to be pretty close to that, though. I'm pretty, I'm pretty close. I, I had quite a chunk of time off from role-playing, so I'm I'm closer to, like, um, 14, 15 years. Okay. So. And Amanda was actually the newbie in the group. Yep. Um, She had just started role-playing with us a few months before Gen Con. Yeah. And uh, we just destroyed this game. And it wasn't because we were trying to ruin the game. We just had played so many, and that was the thing, is we didn't just play Dungeons and Dragons, and we didn't play just Call of Cthulhu, we didn't play just Modern 20, we played a little bit of... Everything. Everything. If somebody had a role-playing game and said, hey, hey. you guys want to try this? We're like, in. Yes. <laughs> in fact, it got so bad at one point, my wife goes, you have to stop role-playing so much. And I went, but, but, she's like, no, you need to choose this many of them. And I went, aww. <laughs> but, uh... So yeah, it was it was it was um and this is why I don't write role playing games is because there is so much detail and so much so many things that are can re- go wrong can go wrong or are required to think about that between life and my job and 
everything, there's no time. I know. There is there is no time. I mean, I put enough time into just writing, uh, you know, adventures. Right, yeah. And, um, and when it comes to certain games, especially like Dungeons and Dragons, um, games like that, I don't even write campaigns anymore. I'm just like, I know what I need to throw at them. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of sit down yeah. an hour before the game and I'm like, all right, so what are we doing tonight? You know, dot, da, da. Okay, there's this point, this point, and this point we need to get to tonight. Let's see how they get there. Because anybody that's played D&D before knows that it doesn't matter what you write. They're not going to do it anyway. Right. Well, that's why, that's like half my Star Wars stuff was never written when I ran Star Wars. Right. It's the same thing. I know Star Wars so well, I could go, oh, they're good, just bypass that. Well, let's throw this over here. Right. <laughs> you know, you know it's, a, it's a matter of like, I mean, of all the games I run, the one that I really spend time on is Call of Cthulhu. And that's because that game is really easy to railroad people into doing what you want them to do. Because they're, it's a, it's a game of they need to find clues. So if I put the clues in, they have to find it or they can't move on. So it's 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 a whole lot easier to tell the story you want to tell. Where in my in my opinion, when you're playing D and D, especially D and D, you have an over overarching storyline that you want to tell, but the details of it are scattered throughout the gameplay. Right, and it and it's mostly run and it's mostly driven by the players and what right. they want to do. So that's just that's my opinion. Now there are people that run D and D more like a train. <laughs> you know, get on Down the train, the let's go. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but um I find more enjoyment for myself as a DM and for the people playing I find by them driving the majority of the story. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh and let's see. Other other stories. Oh, there are yeah. just so many of them. It's there was the Madison Convention where we stayed at Amanda's dad's house. GeekCon, yeah. GeekCon. We were there for year one of GeekCon. And remember the vendor hall was actually like four different rooms? I, I actually was not oh, there. Oh, you were not you. there. I that was... make that one. Okay, this is one of my favorite stories. And I shouldn't tell this story because, because it kind of makes people sound stupid. But then again... <laughs> If the shoe fits. Maybe I should tell this story so that people learn and... Don't make the same mistakes. Well, I'm glad they did. But (laughs) we had bought this big container of free dice. (laughs) And and when I talk about free dice, I mean, they just, they're not packaged. They're not in sets. They're just random dice. And we bought, I don't know, three, four pounds of these dice for this convention. And we ended up with so many of the standard white dice with the black pips. Right, yeah. So six-sided dice with black pips. The stuff you get in Monopoly Risk. Yeah, yeah, standard six-sided dice. And I'm sitting down there, and we have this whole section just for these dice, these white and black dice. We had them marked cheaper than all the other dice, and they weren't selling. We were selling the other dice, but I wanted to get rid of some of these white dice. And that was a point at which the word retro had really come into the vernacular and people (laughs) wanted retro things. So after Friday, when I hadn't sold hardly any of these white dice, I made a sign. And it simply stated, retro dice. Which is not a lie, because they're the same dice they've been using since the 30s. 
if not earlier. Right. I wrote retro dice, 50 cents a piece, which is what we were selling the, the, um, the polyhedral dice at, the, uh, the multiple shaped dice. And I put the sign behind this little bucket we had. Now, in this bucket, we had somewhere in the vicinity of like 400 dice. Yeah, somewhere, something like that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a lot, lot of, of dice. white dice. And people came up Saturday morning, people started coming in and they're like, retro dice. And I'm like, yeah, retro dice. <laughs> and they're like, how much? And I'm like, 50 cents. They're like, only 50 cents? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so they started buying these retro dice. When I came back, Adam's like, we're all the white dice. I'm like, you have them. He's like, there's only like 70 here. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I sold over 300 of these retro dice in two days after a day of selling like four <laughs> at a quarter a piece or at, yeah, at a quarter a piece. So it's just marketing. Marketing is huge. <laughs> yes. And, and when, you know, and GeekCon at that point, I don't know now because I haven't been to it in years, but GeekCon was a very young convention. Uh, the oldest people you really saw there were the college students where it was being held because it was yeah. being held on a college campus. But it was it was the high schoolers and middle schoolers. I mean, there was one point that weekend where this kid walked up. He he had like candy all over his face. He had a, a, a monster type drink in his hand and he's just got a handful of change. And he's like, what can I get for this? It was that kind of a convention. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, let's see, you got 83 cents there, son. Uh, you want a dice? Okay. And I'd be like, here's two dice, 83 cents. You know, because it was like... At that point, we've sold so many retro dice, who cares? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Pick two dice, give me your 83 cents, go away. You're making things sticky, son. Now, the thing about conventions that always that always was a unique thing to me is is when you have a storefront, there's a lot of theft. Right. Now, when we did the conventions, and we must have done, in, in our six years, we must have done a hundred conventions. Yeah, easily a hundred, yeah. How much stuff did we actually have stolen from, from one of our tables? Just those, just that stupid video Maple game. Maple Story. Maple Story, <laughs> which we had gotten for free. Free, so we didn't. As we a, cared, as, but we didn't, didn't really care. care. It was it was it was a Maple Story disc, and then I think we got like ten packs of the Maple Story cards, and we got it as a promo. And we took it to the conventions. We're like, maybe somebody will want this, and somebody stole the disc, but none of the cards. Well, now the disc is pretty much useless without the cards, and we had a one dollar price ticket on this. DVD or CD. No, we had three on the seat on the disc and one on each booster pack. Okay, so Just, I mean, in all the conventions we did, we lost three dollars worth of merchandise. Right. Yeah. The, nobody came up. We never had a problem with theft at these things. Uh, now in the store, that was a different story. We didn't have. I mean, compared to some stories I've heard, we did not have a huge amount of theft. Right. But there was theft. Yes, there was theft. That's almost un- unavoidable when you Yeah, when you have a when you have a brick and mortar, but I mean the fact that you know you go to these conventions where there's hundreds if not thousands of people. Yep. That come by your booth, look at your stuff, pick it up, look at it, talk to you about it, to only have $3 worth of merchandise ever go bye-bye. Yeah, it's... And it was like $3 that we didn't, didn't have, impact we didn't... us in any way because right. we didn't pay anything for it. Exactly. I think we wound up giving the Maple Story cards away for a charity auction. Yeah, quite eventually. possibly. 
And then, you know, that's okay. what we wound up doing with a lot of the free stuff we got. People want, would like stuff for charity auctions. Here you go. Right, yeah. Merry Christmas. Because most know? of the stuff that we got for promos was stuff we didn't normally buy, which is why we got free promos. Because they're like, you're going to yeah, really like, like this. It. Your people are going to really like this. And we're like... No. <laughs> now, do you remember the one free promo we got that we bought into and then it sat on our shelves and sat on our shelves? Oh, yes. Monster Apocalypse. Okay, there's that one. I was thinking of a different one. Spoils. Oh, spoils, yeah. And then we wanted to... And then all of a sudden it came back and we sold all of it. Yeah, at know? conventions, yeah. Yeah. Con- but I just... And what made me think of that is I was just at New Game Palooza in October and... Somebody was trying to sell a box of spoils, okay? Okay. Now, I don't remember how much you remember about spoils. The game was pretty much Magic, but the artwork was so much better than what Magic had at the time. Yes. The artwork was beautiful, but the play was pretty much the same as Magic. But he had a box of spoils, an entire booster pack box for $5. Oh, wow. Buy that. Throw it online and let somebody out west buy it. <laughs> I, I almost thought about buying it, but I'm just like, I'd want to pop it just to look at the artwork again. I know. That was awesome artwork. It was. There there were some there was some stuff we brought in because we thought it looked awesome and it might sell because... It, well, Monster Apocalypse was one of those. Oh, yeah. It, it was a great game. Great mini, you know, yeah, for the, figs the, that I, you didn't have to put together and paint. They looked good. Yeah, I mean, it was a privateer press product. It so was. Anybody, it was basically Monster Wars. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you they, had there was like a Cthulhu group. There was a Godzilla, Godzilla group, group. There, there was, was robots. There were aliens. There was pretty much. There were like eight different factions. I yeah, think. in fact, if you play um, King of King of uh, Tokyo, King of Tokyo, or King of New York, it's basically. The same game. It it really is, because you're just trying to defeat the other monsters. There are buildings that can help you, or not, which represent the cards. And your own faction that can help you. Uh, Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... I mean, we had a lot of fun together with 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 the store and everything. It's just... I think one of our biggest problems, but one of the problems we had to have, was hiring somebody. Right. Now, you know... I understand all these people now that are going like, we want $15 minimum wage, blah, 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 blah. And then you have the other side that goes, if you do that, you're going to get, you're going to lose a lot of these independent shops and you're going to, and and I'll tell you why we had one, we had one employee. He was employed at minimum wage and he worked 20 hours a week or less. By the time we were done paying his $7 and 25 cents that he got, and then what we paid to the government, and the other things that we had, I mean, we were paying almost $15 an hour. Right. And that, so if you're paying $15 an hour, you're almost paying 25 to $30 once you... Right, it, so... It does boil down to 15 because what they make, it, everything government is supposed to get is supposed to be all that $15 an hour. It's not. Right, right. <laughs> and that's And that's just the thing. And I can see both sides of this, and I don't want to go political on this, but... Right. So, you know, and that was one of the things that really hurt us, um, but with Adam, Adam had a regular full-time job while we had the mortar store, the bo- the brick-and-mortar store. I had Chad a 40-plus-hour-a-week 40, 40 job, yeah. and then we each put up probably another 30, depending on the week, 30 to 50 hours a week... Right, at the store. <clears throat> at the store, 
And there was just times when we needed that extra person in there to cover two hours here or whatever. And he was just a, he was just a young kid and he was, um, you know, he came to us highly recommended and we did have a few issues with him, but we talked him through those and he learned. Right. Because um, it was his first job. Let's yeah. Admit it. Yeah. It, it was, was his, his first, first job. job. So, but the, the thing about him that always made me laugh was the day I walked in to him telling customers, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> and I said, dude, dude, no, come here, come here. Let's talk about this. You don't tell the customers they're wrong, but he was wrong. I don't care. If a customer comes in here and tells you the sky is green and wants to buy three books, don't piss him off. (laughs) Sell him the books, tell him you love his green sky, and then after he leaves, you can tell everybody else in the store how much of an idiot he is because he thinks the sky is green. Right. But you don't, I mean, it was when, I don't, I I told you about this at the time, but I walked in there and they were literally shouting at each other. (laughs) <laughs> just shouting at each other. And I'm like, and it's not like it was one of his buddies that was in the store right. and they were arguing about. It was just this random customer. And I never did find out what the hell they were arguing about because I didn't care. At that point, I was just so mad. I, I finished checking the guy out. I took, I took, um, you know, in, I, I took the guy in the back room and I said, listen, we, we can't have this. This is not how we nurture, you know, customer, you know, friendship. Th- friendship. This, this is a friendly, a uh, family-friendly gaming store. Right. This is not come and argue with the clerk gaming store. Right. If you want, uh, <laughs> if you want to argue with your customers, go open your own game store and see how long you'll be open. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you it's less than eighteen months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. the other big thing, the other big thing that doomed us is we started on a shoestring budget. Yeah. And now when I say a shoestring budget and I throw this number out there, people are going to go, that's a lot of money. And yes, if I just have this sitting in my bank account for my personal use, you're right. $8,000 is a lot of money. Yes. But when you are paying first and last month's rent and you're trying to get enough stuff in your product in your store to open up and not look like you have bare shelves, eight grand is very, very little. Little. Yeah. (laughs) Um, out of the time that we were in the brick and mortar store, I think you and I took a paycheck twice. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> and that was in the beginning when we're like, we're paying ourselves, we don't care. And that uh, ended real, real quick. quick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, there were good times. We met a lot of new friends. Yep, we made a lot, a lot of friends. friends. You know, we, I learned so much just about different aspects of gaming because going into that, I was an, I was a role player. I played a few board games, but really I was a role player. Right. Um, you were a card game player and board board games. games. Well, I was, I, I kind of had the trifecta because I was good at magic. I played a lot of board games and you and I were doing a lot of role playing together. So I kind of, it was, you know. It, the minis area, we were both weak on, you know. Yeah, and probably still are. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very weak on minis. Oh, yeah. Um, it, you know, there are some minis games I like playing. I like playing X-Wing, you know, X-Wing, which is a lot like the Star Trek one. Yeah, I had the Star Trek one for a while, but I didn't find anybody that was playing it. So somebody offered to buy it, and they gave me a decent price on it. I'm like, there you go. Yep. You know, so, um, but... 
I learned to play magic. That's how I met Adam, actually. My little brother yeah, was... <laughs> my little brother was... This. this was funny, too. <laughs> my, my little brother was a magic player, and... Kind of. <laughs> well, he thought he was a magic player. He thought he was one of the best magic players in Wasa. That's what he used to tell me all the time before I started playing. And, and honestly, I took a grain of salt with everything I hear, because when it comes to my little brother, he likes to exaggerate. Both to the good and to the bad. And so he talked me into it finally. He's like, just come do a just come do a, a booster draft. And I'm like, what do you mean a booster draft? And he's like, Well, you pay X amount of dollars, and I think it was like twelve bucks back yeah, then. Twelve bucks. You pay twelve bucks, you sit around a table, everybody gets a pack or three packs of magic, you open them up, you take one card, and then you pass the permit. And I'm like, wait, what? I take one card out of a pack and I have to give give it to somebody else? And he's like, Yeah. He goes, but somebody else gives you theirs. And I'm like, I really wasn't understanding the concept the way he was explaining right. it to me. So I finally gave in. And, and one Friday night, I went in and I paid my 12 bucks. And I'm, and I'm sitting there going, all right, here we go. And we sit down and we're playing. And I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm taking the rarest cards in the pack as I get them. I, I'm not thinking anything about how a deck goes together. I had never played Magic before. And so, you know, you open a pack, there's a bunch of commons, there's three uncommons and a rare. Yep. So when you open the new pack, you take the rare, right? You take the rare, you put that down, you pass it on. Next pack comes over. Oh my God, this guy left the rare in there too. Take the other rare. You know, I think that first time I drafted, (laughs) I must have had six rares in my deck. Yeah, that's about right. And I had all five colors in my deck. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And at different levels, and I had, I don't even remember, there was, you could only have, was it a maximum of 60 cards? No, it's a minimum of 40, your maximum could be everything you drafted if you want. Okay, so I had this huge deck, (laughs) and all these power cards, but nothing that supported the power cards. (laughs) So, of course, I get throttled, just, I mean, I played three hands, I think, and I was like, this is it? (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah. So Adam's playing, and he ended up, it was Adam and, and this guy with a big throw. I don't oh, even I know. I don't remember. Ogre. Ogre. And yeah, that was he his was, nickname. That, yeah. I, I never knew him by his real name. He was Ogre. So it's these two playing the last hand, and I'm watching these guys, and I'm like, their decks work, and they don't look anything like mine. <laughs> So then we we get through the tournament. They award prizes. Of course, I get nothing. My brother did do better than me, but he at least had an idea of what he was doing. And we're all kind of standing around talking before, and Adam walks up to me and he goes, you ever played Magic before? And I'm like, no. He's like, do you want to learn how to draft? I'm like, okay. So we sit down, and Adam took his winnings and he bought a couple more packs and he sat down and he's like, here, he opens up a pack and he goes, which card do you take? And I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, this one, this is the rare one. And he's like, no. I'm like, but he's like, no. He said, did you read any of the other cards? And I'm like, no. It's like, read the cards and then tell me which one you take. And I kind of flipped through them and I read them and I'm like thinking, okay, he, so I don't want to say the rare one. And then I'm like, and I'm looking at him and I'm like, this one. And I, I couldn't tell you what the card is now. And he looks at it and he goes, that's not a bad one. But he goes, I'd take the rare one. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, read the rare one. And I read it. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, now with this one, as the cards go around, you're going to see a lot of these. And they work really well with that. 
And you'll see some of these, and they work really well with that. And I'm like, but you told me. He goes, that's because you didn't read everything. <laughs> you always look through all the cards before you just grab the rare without thinking. <laughs> right, right. So so we sat there, I don't know, a couple hours that night, and he helped me build my first deck because I bought a few packs of Magic, and he took some of his stuff, and they, and he had lands up the ass by that time. He's like, here, you're going to need these lands and these lands. And I had my first deck. And I proceeded to think, hey, this guy who knows magic helped me build this deck. I'm never going to need another deck again. (laughs) And the thing about magic is a new set comes out, what, four times a year? Yep, four times a year. Four times a year. So by the three weeks later, my deck was worthless. So this is where money starts getting spent on magic. Because every time a new set comes out, you need to draft that new set. You need to, if you're really into it, Adam would buy one or two boxes depending on the set. Yep. I never got into it that much um, because I had a wife. Adam did not. Still doesn't. Well, still doesn't, but I had a wife and she would say no. And I had to listen because otherwise, if I, if I didn't listen to that, then I couldn't do drafts. So that was my thing for a while is I would go draft every Friday night. I'd go to draft and each week I'd get a little bit better. And then there was actually times where I was in the top two or three, but I never really peaked beyond that because I didn't really lay down the money to peak beyond that. Well, for drafting, you don't, well, you don't have to for drafting, but if you ever want to construct it, that's where the money comes in and you have to lay down the money for it. Yeah. You know, do you remember the rat deck I built? Yeah. I still have my rat deck. Oh, now, when God. when I built, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I hate playing that thing. Is right, what I mean, <laughs> but when I built that deck, it is based around this card called Relentless Rat. Now, Relentless Rat is a specialized card because, unlike most cards, which you can have up to four of in your deck, you can have as many Relentless Rats as you want. Right. So I have twenty of them. Now, when I built that deck. The Relentless Rat was an uncommon, it was an expensive uncommon. It was $3 a card. Yep. I bought probably 12 of those 20 and traded for the rest. And by the time I put my deck all together, it was like a $150 deck. And now when I play it these days, because Magic has, I mean... Evolved so so much. much, It's really, well, it's always been real easy to stop my deck. It's called... Light of day. <laughs> Wrath of God. <laughs> well, Wrath of God only hurt if I had a lot of creatures out. Yeah. But Light of Day just makes... I can't cast any spells, which means creatures... Well, you can cast spells. Your creatures can't attack. Oh, the, or, yeah, that's what it is. So I can have this big army and nothing to do with it. But, <laughs> so, I mean, now I play that that deck and it only wins maybe a third of the time. Right. When I initially put it together, it won two thirds to five sixths of the time. Right. And it, I and I'd be the one you'd be like, no, no, this deck doesn't need to play you. <laughs> I know what you're pulling out against. Adam's me. like, guess what? White blue. No, it would be my blue one, my Memnark deck. Yeah, yeah, that one was. <laughs> I could never top Memnark as fast as that deck was. Even if I hit the deck where I had a turn one drop of rats, uh, yeah. it wasn't fast enough. <laughs> my my deck went off on... You had six rounds to kill me. Yeah, and by <laughs> six rounds... If it hit perfect, if it hit perfect, round five, I could kill you. Right. 
but my deck never hit perfect <laughs> against Memnarch. I have had a hit perfect where I can do 20 points of damage round four, and that's if I don't attack any of the other rounds. Right. Otherwise, I can technically, I think it's round four, I can kill, kill you. you. You can be dead. Yep. But, but it's, <laughs> it's one of those things you have to hit it just right. You gotta, you gotta have enough mana, you have to hit two of the uh, Dark Rituals, and you gotta have the rats. Right. And so, if you're missing something... It doesn't work. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And as a slow deck, you die real quick. Oh, yeah. It's... <laughs> so, and then there's my multiplay deck. I still have my dragon deck. Oh, nice. Which, you know, still takes six or seven turns to really ramp up. Uh-huh. And if it doesn't ramp up by turn seven... I, I, I still have my little black deck, multi-spectral black from back... Oh, was that your, your discard deck? That was my that was my creature destruction deck. Except yeah. for my old creature. Yeah, my that's old... right. That was the one where you destroyed my creature and then dug through the graveyard for your creatures. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and I get, usually got to put a zombie token or four in play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time I did it. It, it was it was fun in multiplayer. Yeah, it was fun! <laughs> According to Adam, <laughs> you know it was it was like I think the best game I ever watched though was it was it was Dale, yeah, using his Power Nine deck. Yep, and I don't remember who he was playing. It doesn't matter because Dale started the game and the other player never got a turn. <laughs> I had never seen a Power Nine deck to that point. And do you know what all the Power Nine cards yes, are? Yes, I do. Okay, okay, the five maxes. Yeah, um, the Black Lotus. Time Walk, Time Twister, Time Vault. Okay. So, back in the day, and I mean, there's still, it's still a very special type deck, specialized deck, but back in the day, that was the deck. If you had the the Power Nine deck built correctly... Turn one kill. Turn one kill. And that means your opponent never got a turn, so they could be sitting there with a Power Nine deck, and you're just screwed. But, um, yeah, it was, that was kind of a neat one to watch. It took him about 20 minutes for turn one, but. Oh, yeah. Everything I, died. I, yeah. I know, I know that deck pretty well. It, <laughs> we used to face off with a few of my decks just, uh, and then I'd bring out my stasis deck against it. That was my, um, type one deck. Okay. And then, and things really crawled. <laughs> Might take him twenty minutes on turn one, but all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh! <laughs> and then there was the tournament you and I did at a convention one time, and we ended up on head to head. And I think it was for first and second place. No, actually, we were not even in the rankings. Oh, we just ended up head to head. Yeah, we wound up. Head- it, it had been so long since both of us drafted that you know we knew something was going to give in it. Right, and and I remember thinking. We were playing, and I had you down to one life. Yes, you did. And I was at 20. <laughs> and I was like, it was one of those euphoric <laughs> moments where I'm like, I'm going to beat Adam. Because I, I didn't do that very often, so that when I did do it, it was it was a special thing. <laughs> it's like beating Audi at a Rails game. Right. So well, I'm like, I've got him. I've got him. It's, it's, it's his turn, but he's only got one hit point left. And I'm looking at what's on the deck and on the table, and I'm like, I've got him. I've got him, and he's not going to get any life from me. And he pulls out this card, and I can't, it was... No, you remember how I won that game? You made a mistake. You made a classic mistake. I didn't block, or I did block. No, I can't... no. You forgot about your second main phase. Oh, yes, where I could have killed you before you killed me. Yep. 
but but he just it just all of a sudden and then and then the next turn I'm down five points and I can't get through his defenses. And then I'm down fifteen points and I can't get through his defenses. It took him like four turns and I went from twenty to one to dead to one. <laughs> and Adam just stood up and he went, Told ya. Like, you pig fucker, you! Oh, uh, yeah, that was funny. I, he's like, well, "How did? Why did you wait so long?" I'm like, "I had to wait for you to make a mistake." He's like, "You could have killed me here," and I'm like, "How?" And he goes, second main phase," and I'm like, oh, "Son of a bitch!" Because <laughs> that was that the second main phase was really my Achilles tendon the entire time I played Magic. Right. I would never remember about it. And even though I would build decks with the idea that there's a second main phase and this card would allow me to use that second main phase, I would just forget about it. I would blank on it. And it just, it killed me all the time. All right. So I guess, yeah, yeah go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, yeah, I guess this is about it for yeah. stories I can think of. Yeah. And we're coming up, we're coming up on that, you know, the time where That's I like kind of keep it. Yeah. So anyway, um. You know, it, it's just one of those things. Uh, I've known Adam for a long time. Chatham Games was cr- uh, a mental thought of Adam and I standing out in the bitter fucking cold. Yep. In November, <laughs> after a game session, going, we should go into business. You know, we know a lot about gaming. We should do a game store and, like, do conventions and stuff. And I'm like, that's brilliant. And I came home and I talked to my wife and she said, I don't know about this. But if you guys want to try it as like a convention thing, she's like, go for it. And then, you know, seven years later. Now, granted, Chatham did fold eventually. Uh, Oh, that is one more story we have to tell. How we name the thing. Oh, yes. Everybody thinks it's so easy. I've talked to people and they're like, well, it's obvious you're Chad. Chad you're Adam. Adam. You guys should have, well, the first name you came up with and we're like, no. No. We spent, what, a good portion of a month texting back and forth going, Hey, Adam, what do you think about this one? No. Hey, Chad, what do you think of this one? No. (laughs) And one night we're like, we finally got to the point where like, we got to get this paperwork filed. We need a name. I'm like, all right, come over. We'll, We'll sit down. We will come up with a name tonight. We will make it happen. We sat there for like two hours. And you're supposed to be going out with Amanda. Yeah. And she's like, where are you? And he's like, we're still working on this thing. And they're texting back and forth. And finally she goes, why don't you just call it Chatham? And Adam goes, hey, why don't we just call it Chatham? And I said, where'd you come up with that one? And he goes, Amanda just texted me this. <laughs> and I'm like, Chatham. Chad, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> so we did the C, capital C, the H, the capital A. D-A-M, Chatham. <coughs> and 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 it just like, we were like, duh! <laughs> but anyway, so, all right, on to all the right. next segment. Um, uh, mailbag, this is where I would read emails if anybody would send me one. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> send me an email so I can read it in this section, and I don't sound like I'm always begging for email, but I'm begging for email. Um, my, my email, uh, for this is whose podcast is it at gmail.com. It's also going to be in the description of the, uh, of the, um, podcast. So you'll be able to find it there because, so you spell it right and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, now 
this next segment is where I do the teaser. I talk about who's coming on to the next show. Now, actually, next week is um, kind of a special week. I'm going to actually do two podcasts next weekend. I'm going to be at Game Hall Con in, uh, in Madison. And um, the gentlemen from Gaming and BS have been kind enough to each of them sit down with me separately. And they're each going to record a podcast with me. So um, I, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do one episode with Brett uh, Blazinski. And I'm going to do one with Sean Kelly. And like I said, they're both of Gaming and BS. Uh, I'm going to, however, drop both of those shows next week um, at the same time. So as far as my guesses on what these guys are going to talk to me about, I really don't have one. But I'm going to say Brett is going to talk about hunting. He is a huge hunter. Um, uh, we game with Brent, Brett throughout the year. But in November and December, we don't game uh, mostly because Brett goes away. He goes to northern Michigan, and he's up there hunting every moment he has free. So that's my guess with him. Now with Sean, I have no idea. I don't know Sean very well. I know he's a recruiter in the real world. Um, but I think uh, I, I have no idea what Sean's going to talk about. So I'm just going to say he's going to talk about podcasting because that's also one of the things he does. Not only does he do gaming and BS, but he's got a few other podcasts he does. So um, hopefully we'll sit down and talk for an hour about podcasts and I can pick his brain and and, and figure out what I'm doing wrong, which, um, you know, I'm sure there's something I'm doing wrong at this point. Um, Now to that final segment of the day, the one that I always look forward to because this makes the the uh the guest almost look as smart as I do. However, I'm going to say that this week I had the topic right. Um and so I am now Ooh. one and thirteen. <laughs> do you hear that people? One and thirteen. Now we'll see what Adam does here because right now the guests are one and twelve. So he can either make it so the guests are tied with me or he can make it so the guests are still better than me. Are you ready? Bring it <laughs> today's quote There is no winning or losing, but rather the value is in the experience of imagining yourself as a character in whatever genre you're involved in, whether it's a fantasy game, the Wild West, secret agents, or whatever else. You get to sort out vicariously experience. You get to sort of vicariously experience those things. Oh, son of a! I had this as a Facebook quote at one point. Did you really? I did kind of lob this one in the fact that when you hear who it is, you're going to be like, Duh! and but it's one of those things that it's it's vague enough that it's not a dead I giveaway. I almost want to say it's Gygax. Is that your official? Sure. It is Gary Gygax. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. All right, so Gary Gygax, um, he is one of the creators of the Dungeons and J- Dragons. He's a great guy. Yes, um, he is. He's one of my personal heroes. Um, I got to know Gary in in the later stages of his life before he passed away. I think Adam did as well. Same here, yeah. But uh, I, I do have to tell one quick Gygax story. So I met Gary Gygax for the first time at Lake Geneva Con um, when we had the business. Right. And I had taken a friend down there, and I was like, I'm not going to leave you alone all weekend. It'll be fine. And then Gary said... We're doing a bus tour of all the old TSR spots and stuff. And for 10 bucks, you can get on a bus with me and we'll drive around the city and I'll show you all this cool shit. And I said, Don, you're on your own. <laughs> and Don went, okay. 
So I jumped on this bus and I went for a tour and it was, I don't know, there was a half dozen, eight of us on the bus and Gary's talking about all these different places. He's like, I used to live here and, and this is the house where we lived when TSR started out of my basement, you know, and all this kind of cool stuff. This is the building where Gen Con Zero was held and, you know, just all this really cool story stuff and he would tell other stories and I asked him a few questions and we started talking and we got back to the convention center and he goes, Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna play test one of Tom Wham's games. He goes, you want in? And I went, what? I get to sit at a table with Gary Gygax and Tom Wham? I'm like, yes. Yeah. Just give me a second. I gotta go check my booth. So I walked over and Don, I'm like, how's it going? He's like, pretty slow. And it was because we had all the new gaming stuff and we found out after we got there that Lake Geneva Con was an old school gaming system yep. set up. So we didn't really make any money that weekend, but man, the personal experience, I went over there and I said, Don, he goes, yeah. I said, can you sit here for a couple more hours? I said, I get to go play a game with Gary Gygax and Tom Wham. And he goes, yeah, dude, it's fine. Go. <laughs> so I got to help beta test um, Dragon Lairds, which okay. was a Tom Wham game. Yep. And at the time that we beta tested it, he had taken all these old common magic cards and taped, printed off pictures from his game on them. <laughs> So, I mean, it was, it was not my style of game. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think I did pick up a copy at one point, but I don't have it anymore. Uh, but it was, it was just the concept. I got to sit down with Gary Gygax and I actually got to sit down with, uh, his son Ernie. Um, and I got to sit down with Tom Wham, who's just hilarious, um, and play this game. And it was really cool. And then that got done and Gary goes, Every Saturday night during the con, he goes, I always invite people. He says, I pick people and I invite them over to my house to play Dungeons and Dragons. He's like, you want to go? And I felt bad already for all the stuff I had just dropped on Don that I told him, unfortunately. And and I always thought there would be another chance. But I told him, unfortunately, that no, I couldn't. I had to stay with my, you know, with my booth. I had to let my other guy. And he, he totally understood that. But, you know, and then in retrospect... Two or three years later, he was gone. Right. So that that opportunity never came up again. And then um, the cool thing of this story was, though, then the uh, that was in November of one year. The following August, I went to Gen Con in two thousand seven. Yeah, and Chad introduced me to Gary Gygax. And I, yeah, Chad and, got to introduce me to Gary Gygax, <laughs> which was kind of cool. But the the coolest part was is he was doing a signing, so I had a couple of his books. And we're going through this line, and I'm waiting in line, and and I walk up to his table, and he looks up at me, and he goes, he snaps his fingers, and he points at me, and he goes, Lake Geneva Con, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, he thinks for a second, he goes, Chad, the guy who didn't come play on my game, on my porch. And I went, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was just the coolest thing. And he's like, Oh, what do you got there? And I, and I had a copy of, um, Unearthed Arcana from second edition. And I also had a copy of Tomb of Horrors from right. second edition. And he saw the Tomb of Horrors and he goes, Why don't you come around back here and sit down? I'm like, R- Really? He's like, Yeah, just come back here. And I said, What about all the people? And I, and, and I, hand to heart, he goes, Ah, they'll wait. <laughs> So we, I sat there for like 20 minutes in the middle of the signing as he flips through Tomb of Horrors and he's like, oh, and he'd, he'd point at something and laugh. 
And he finally got to the point, and this was, uh, I think you were running it at the time. Mike was. Mike was running it. And remember we had that that face with the orb yeah. of annihilation, but we didn't know what it was. Right. And he got to that page, and he points at it, and he goes, oh, have you gotten this far yet? And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're kind of messing around trying to figure out what it is. And dead seriously, he turns to me, and he looks at me, and he taps the picture. And he goes, just remember, a snake always bites. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> And he goes, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and then a couple hours later, Adam and I are walking around and there's Gary. And I'm like, hey, you want to meet Gary Gygax? And he's like, right. I'm like, come on. And he's like, he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. You know, Gary was a great guy. He was kind of a dirty old man. But, you know, it's something I personally strive for. I hope to someday be a dirty old man. Now I'm just a dirty young man, as my wife and children will tell me. But anyway, so that that's kind of, you know, a good way to wrap this one up. So, uh, you know, thanks a lot for listening. We'll talk to you next week and uh, good night.